This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. going to talk to Leighton. You guys can relax for a little bit. Got any new Pokemon cards lately? Nice. Good deal. We are going to start a new series. It's called Afterlife. Um, this one has a pretty cool bumper. It's like Star Wars-y, space It's pretty cool. How many of you guys like Star Wars? A lot of Star Wars fans. I've never seen it. I know. It makes me kind of odd. I, it's actually a lie. I've seen the first one. Well, they, it, didn't, it didn't grab my attention. Tell Star Wars or tell George Lucas he's going to have to do better than that first one if he wants to hook me. Yeah. Well, whatever. So... Going into this series, what is what is one thing that you really like, like now in your life? You really, really like it now, but you used to hate it. Like you were afraid of it, or when you were younger, you just didn't like it whatsoever. Just think of that that one thing in your head, or shout it out. What's something that you like now that you used to hate when you were a kid? Me? Yeah, I've gotten that one before. Showers? Nice. I don't like showers now still. So So whenever whenever I was younger, I hated I hated public speaking. Like hated it so much. I hated it so much that I actually when I was in middle school, I made a promise to myself that I would never in my life have a job where I had to do any type of public speaking. Yeah, yeah. I told myself it'll never happen. That's how much I disliked it. 
and I wasn't really alone in this. How many of you guys hate public speaking as well? Yeah. It's a common thing to not really like to get up in front of people and talk. But I, just to explain how much I hated it and how much I was terrified of it, I have a couple, a couple experiences to kind of showcase my hatred for public speaking. Now, the first one, I was in sixth grade, and I was running for student council because I thought I was important or something and needed to do that. But, thank you. But we all had we all had to get in front of the room whenever we decided we were going to run for student council, and there was this big to-do, like, months ahead. And then we were all supposed to get in front of the class in our homeroom and give, like, a small speech as a as like a presentation for why everyone should vote for you to get on the student council. Why everyone should think that you should be on there, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't supposed to be long, but just a, just a little speech of what makes you a great student council candidate. So instead of, instead of selling myself well, and instead of hyping everybody up about why they should vote for me, I started speaking, and then I actually collapsed down to my knees and started crying. In sixth grade, like a little baby, it was pretty, yeah, it was kind of embarrassing, just a little. <laughs> it was completely embarrassing, actually, but on the bright side, I still did make it on the student council. I think everybody felt bad, so. And then the second story about public speaking that went wrong for me was I was doing a presentation in high school, I think I was a freshman in high school with one of my cousins, and we're in front of class, and we did this all, we got this presentation together, and we're excited, we're like, we got put together in a group, it's going to be easy, just me and you go up there, do it, and then he passed out, like right while we're speaking, and since I am a wimp, I looked over, I saw him pass out, and his eyes roll in the back of his head, and I also passed out, just to freak everybody out in the room. So, two guys stand up in front of a room to give a speech, give a presentation, and we both pass out within seconds of each other. I knocked my head on, like, the teacher's desk or something and bit my lip. It was just bad. But I got an A on the presentation, right? So, moral of the story is if you hate public speaking, just, like, cry or pass out, and everyone feels bad for you, and then you either get the vote and whatever, or you get the good grade, you don't have to worry about it anymore. It works. It worked for me, at least. So I'm not really sure how I ever, like, grew out of this fear of public speaking. Like, so much to the point where it would bring me to tears or to feeling like I was going to pass out. And I think really all it was is I just kept doing it over and over and over. I listened to other people speak. I took advice. And I just kept trying it out. I kept giving it a chance. And I ended up going from a kid who was crying on his sixth grade floor about giving a speech to giving valedictorian speeches. Um, I was always the main presenter in class when we were in a group because people were like, we want him to do it because he's going to do it good. I taught lessons to younger students whenever I tutored at the primary, the elementary school that I was tutoring at. I preached for my first time when I was 16. And now I stand up here and do it every single month, and now I love it. I love public speaking. It went from something that I could barely stand to do at all to something that 
I live for. I love it. Something that I once hated and I was scared of and not really sure how to do it or what it was about became one of the most important things in my life or one of the most important things to me. This kind of early fear is going to transition into what we're talking about tonight. Because tonight we're talking about something that is often misunderstood or we don't get it at first. But when we see it for what it really is, then everything changes for us. Just like when I learned that I actually could do public speaking and that I actually enjoyed it, when we learn about the whole story of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, everything can change for you too when you really understand the story. And with Easter Sunday not that far behind us, we're going we're gonna to dive into what you might say is the most important holiday for Jesus followers. But this series isn't like the usual Easter series about stuff we talk about. It's not the usual resurrection series. Usually when we talk about Easter Sunday and talk about the resurrection, it's just, it's all about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But a lot of times, we hear about Easter and we think about what it means for us and what happens after death for us. You know, because of the resurrection, we can be sure about, about heaven and spending, spending more than what happens after death for us, spending eternity with Jesus. And this is all very true, and it's all good. It doesn't change the meaning of the resurrection whatsoever. But what we're going to discover is that all of this, all of this, is, it's so much more than what happens after death. It's about, it's about a life, that this incredible encounter with a risen Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series. It's our life after the resurrection. So it's your afterlife, after salvation, after discovering what this resurrection really means for us as people, as children of God. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at three people who knew Jesus before he died and encountered him after he came back to life. We're going to see what their whole life looked like afterwards, after encountering Jesus and after seeing him die and then resurrect. So because this Easter story was never meant to stop at the resurrection, the story was, it was meant to keep going, like even today, like it's important. And if that's so true, if it's so true that we are supposed to keep going after that event, what if we were meant to be a part of this story in life after the resurrection? So for some of you, it may sound really interesting to talk about this, to talk about life after the resurrection. And for other, others of you, it might sound completely terrible. Like you might feel like you don't want to be a part of that, that story because of what you think God is like. So depending on how you've been raised or what you've been taught in your life or even because of like some other Christians that are in your life that have impacted you, God might seem to be one of the last people that you want to get excited about, that you want to talk about, that you want to just, you know, yeah, let's hear it. From your experience, he just doesn't seem like he's, he's for you. He feels like less of a friend and more of this like authoritative figure that's angry and he's a dictator and he's always telling us what to do. And for others of us, we have this, this idea 
that if there is a God out there, if God is actually out there, he's probably so annoyed with all of our constant poor choices or expects us to be perfect. And he doesn't celebrate the good choices because he's more worried about all the bad stuff we've done already. Or he's angry because we've messed up and he is going to be sure that he gets us the punishment that we deserve. Or he's a perfectionist, so no matter what we do, no matter how many good things we do, no matter how hard we try, we're never going to meet his standards. Or he's absent. Maybe you believe that he is out there, that God is out there, but he doesn't really care about my day-to-day life. Or he's just flat-out irrelevant. Maybe you feel like he's just some ancient God, and ancient gods really aren't that helpful today, right? So if you've ever felt this way before, you're not alone. I've felt even some of these things before in my life. And I bet, I would guarantee that this room is full of people who have at some point in time thought some of these things, at least one of them. And maybe they are right now. So then if we're going to be really, really honest with each other, at one point or another, I think we all have had some kind of thought more or less about God and who he is and what it means for us. So here's the, here's the question then. What do, we, what do we do with that if this is how we feel, if these are the kind of thoughts that we have? How do these thoughts about God fit with this, this big celebration of the resurrection of Jesus? We're supposed to celebrate the resurrection but if we feel like God is this figure who doesn't care, then what's so exciting about it? If something just, it like sounds and feels off about all of it. Like is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus just something to, to make us feel good? Just a feel-good story? Until we remember what we think God is really like? You see, Easter was all about the good news. But the good news doesn't, seems so good when, do, when God doesn't necessarily seem so great to you. So you may have already heard the story of Jesus dying and coming back to life, you know, the resurrection. And chances are you have heard the story. If you've been in church for any time, it gets talked about a lot. It's really, really important. But before we just talk about the events of the resurrection itself, about this whole resurrection story, let's focus on what it tells us about, about God. Not about the resurrection itself, but what does the resurrection say about who God is? Because I think looking at the resurrection does more than just, you know, give us this basis for our Christian faith. I think it also shows us exactly what God is really like. And this is, it's really, really big for us. So we're going to look at a passage of scripture written by a guy named John. And John was one of the the 12 disciples who followed Jesus super close, one of his friends. And most scholars think that John was, was like the youngest disciple, a really young guy. There's some scholars who say he was a teenager when he started following Jesus, and he outlived all the other disciples. So we have this, this really unique perspective that we don't often get. It's this guy who started following Jesus at a young age, outlived all the other disciples around him got to witness Jesus' ministry and then witness his death and his resurrection all in one while starting as a teenager. 
he had this entire lifetime to look back on in the just the few years that he spent following Jesus, thinking about, you know, what he had heard and then put into practice for the rest of his entire life. He could play the long game with his faith super easy and see what, see what a belief and a trust in Jesus looked like over decades and decades. This isn't just a story of someone who knew Jesus for a couple years and then moved on. This is a guy who knew him at a young age and grew with him and became an adult and then further taught what Jesus also taught. So this is what this is what John has to say. He's writing from this place of having this entire life of remembering and John tells us what he's learned about God after the resurrection in one of his letters. It's in 1 John. He says, "God is love." This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So maybe you've heard that God loves you before. You've heard the phrase, God loves you, God loves everybody. But it's never felt like it was really true for you. It doesn't, it's never really clicked or felt real. But John, who spent years as a teenager with Jesus, somebody who was probably your age, and then the rest of his life following Jesus' teaching. He was able to look back at his life, look back at everything that had happened, everything he had experienced, and everything he had heard. And he could say without any question whatsoever that God sent Jesus so we could know exactly how much he loved all of us. You see, God's motivation for sending Jesus was showing us his love. But even that isn't necessarily the whole story. Jesus went as far as dying to show us just what kind of love that he does have for us. He sent him to prove and show us that he loves us. And then his death shows just how much he loves us. And if you ever wonder if your, you know, your mistakes are too big or your missteps are too many, all we have to do is look at what Jesus did with us in mind. Because he did it with you in mind. He did it with me in mind. He did it with each and every one of you in mind. And remember that, that nothing we can do, not a single thing that we can do can cancel out what Jesus did for us. So because of Jesus, we know that love is greater and that love wins every single time. And here's the thing. This, this story meant a lot to John who taught us about what this kind of love was like. You see, John was was, was a friend to Jesus. But whenever he watched Jesus die on a cross right in front of his eyes, John probably thought that that friendship and all that came with it was over. Like, it's done now. He's dead. What do you do now? Your friend, your teacher, your companion is gone. Like, if you've ever lost a friendship in any kind of way, just think of one of your best friends ever and just one day, you no longer have them anymore, whether it's because they left you or whatever it is. You may know it just exactly how John felt, losing that friendship, that relationship. He probably felt hopeless, alone, and really, really, really frustrated. But then, three days later, everything changed when Jesus pulled off you know, the greatest comeback story of all time. 
he, he, Jesus straight up just comes back to life. So the resurrection of Jesus proves what God is really, really like. God is love, but not only that, if God is love, love is stronger than death. Every time. And just think of this in like just human terms, just strictly human terms. If you had a friend who was willing to give up their life so that you could keep living. A friend in your life that said, I'm going to lay down my life so you can keep living. What would, your, what would your thoughts be about that friend? Just think about it for a second. About that person who's willing to lay down their life for you. Would you think that they thought they were just stronger than you? Would you think that they thought you were a screw-up? Would you think that they thought you just aren't worth their time? I mean, of, of, of course not. We wouldn't think those thoughts. It sounds ridiculous when we think about it that way. When we think about a friend who would do something so extravagant for us and how they actually feel about you, you would never think they think you're awful. They don't care about you. The only thing that it would prove is that that friend seriously loves you. So in other words, because of the resurrection, John knew that he was loved. And he knew that God is love. And that's not all. John actually knew that love always wins. That because of the resurrection, John knew that God is love and love would always win. And the same is true for, for you and me. You know, whatever you thought about God up until maybe this very moment, up until now, all you need to know moving forward and going forward is that because of the resurrection and because of what Jesus did for us, we know for an absolute fact that we're loved by God. So if you and I, you know, we take only one thing for the rest of our lives from the resurrection story. Just one thing. My, my hope is that it would be this. It would be that once and for all, we could all grab a hold of this idea that God loves us and God likes us. And he does so deeply. The death and resurrection absolutely prove it, prove that we are deeply loved by God. So regardless of the ideas that you had about God when we started talking today, I think we all can learn something about, you know, God from what John has told us. So as you, you head forward this week, as you go on with your weeks and you go to school and you hang out with your friends and you're with your family, I want you to take just two steps forward with you as you consider life as a Christian or as a follower of Jesus. Two steps that can help, your on, help you on your way to seeing that God is love. And the first one is just be honest about your ideas of what God is like. Just be honest about it. We're living in a culture today where every single person has an opinion about what God is like. Everybody has an opinion. And it can feel almost impossible for those opinions not to affect us every single day. But I want to challenge you to be honest with yourself first. Before taking in everybody else's opinions, maybe even just taking a few minutes this week, and it might be weird or it might seem weird or maybe you don't like to write things down. If you don't like to write things down, then just think of it in your head. 
but maybe just take a few minutes this week and write down what you actually really believe about God. What you yourself, not what you've been told, not what you think you're supposed to believe, but what you actually genuinely really believe about God. And spend the time to do it. Don't give, like I said, don't give the churchy answer that, you know, your grandma probably would want to see if she were to come look at your paper. Just be real. Be really real. God, God can handle it. And more than that, you're not going to offend God. You're not going to offend him whatsoever by what you believe. You know, we all have ideas about Jesus, right or wrong. We all have them. But learning to name them is going to help us figure out whether they're the right idea about Jesus or not. Because if we just sit here and pretend we don't feel these things, then it just passes us by. When you actually physically think about it or write it down and say, this is what I believe about Jesus, and then you try to find out, is this right? Is this wrong? That is how you find change in your life, and that's how you grow as a Christian. And secondly, process what God's love means for you personally, for you yourself. What does it mean to you that God loves you? How does this knowledge impact how you see yourself? And again, just a few minutes. It doesn't have to be a long time, whether it's 5, 10, 15, whatever. You know, put your phone on silent. Get rid of the noise, the background noise, and just take a moment and stop and just hear your own thoughts when it comes to God. No other voices, no social media, no Netflix in the back. And for some of you, this sounds terrible, and I can't lie to you, it sounds terrible to me too. I hate when there's just noise in the background. I want to constantly be doing something. But I think this is going to allow for some freedom in your life. Some freedom for you to have those difficult conversations with God that you probably don't have very often. Wrestling with him over your hurts that you've had in the church. Wrestling with him over the things that you're not sure if you believe or not. And taking these conversations with God and then turn them over to a trusted family member maybe. A friend, a small group leader. And some, somebody that you really, really trust and dig into this. Don't just leave it there of, yeah, this is how I feel, and now let's move on. Because if we ever want to grow and we ever want to learn, whatever it is, you actually have to do the work and put in the work to learn and grow. And whether that takes sitting in your own time and figuring out what it is that you believe, or it takes taking that to someone that you trust and you love that can help you better understand what it is that you don't understand. Look, because of, because of the resurrection, John, John knew that God was love. And because of the resurrection, I think that you and me can know the exact same thing. You can be sure that, that God is love. You can be sure that Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection are the proof of that. And the life that we live after we really understand it and believe it can be totally different as a result. So just think of it this way. What if you, what if you did take those steps? What if you took step, steps towards grasping who God 
really is than letting that change you? What if you really believe that he loves you right now? Not after you get things figured out. Not after it's perfect. Not after you learn everything you need to learn. What if you knew that you really understood that God loves you right now where you're at? Without any performance or perfection. What if you... What if you really let his love affect you personally, affect who you were personally? Maybe you would begin to experience that, that kind of relationship with God that maybe you've heard your friends talk about or you've heard other people talk about, but you've never understood it. It's never made sense to you. Maybe you'll actually start to experience that relationship that maybe you talk about, but you've actually never seen it. Maybe you would feel just a little less numb about this whole God thing altogether. Whatever it is, I can tell you that from personal experience, it's at least worth a shot. It's at least worth a shot. The same way that everything changed for me when I actually discovered what public speaking really was and that I actually liked it, everything changed for me. Changed For me, just like when I learned that because of the resurrection, I know that I'm deeply loved by God. You see, whenever we get get so caught up in the afterlife and how the resurrection means we're going to be in heaven one day. Which is great. There's no reason to not be excited about that and to celebrate the fact that we're going to be in heaven one day. But we often miss out on the fact that the resurrection also means that God loves us right this very second. We think the resurrection is for us in the future, for, the hev- for heaven in the future, for our afterlife, but it's actually for us right now because God loves us today. So this week, I want you to think about it just a little bit. What would you want to change if you let God's love really change you? What would you want changed in your life if you let God's love really change you? Is it the way that you worship here at church or at home? Is it peace in your life? Is it confidence in yourself? Is it believing God is who he says he is? We know for a fact that God loves us because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And since God's love is for all of us, then his love has something for all of us as well. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I just thank you so much for each and everything that you do for us. I thank you for the resurrection. I thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made. And most of all, Lord, I thank you for your love. I pray that each person in this room would come to understand that because of the resurrection, you love us today. It's not something that's for us later, it's not something that we have to earn gave it to us today. And because of that, you love us and you win every single day. I pray for their weeks going forward. They would be great. Our school wraps up and we'd all come together as a family. We thank you for your love. Amen. Bye. Bye.